Hey, the Washington football team that classified best podcast that's out there. You know we got some good people like Eric and Ellie, they on there. We know Washington football team, the best team out there, and we don't care. They used to talk about how we ain't make it to the players, but boy, did y'all go there? Let's talk about Chase Young getting them sacks. Let's talk about Gibson running it back. Let's talk about Terry Lawrence scoring touchdowns every time he catching that pass. Let's talk about Rupert Foster, how he's sitting there waiting for somebody to run that slant. Let's talk about Kim Fuller, how many picks he got. Yeah, the boy be still in the pass. Pick six. Welcome back to the Washington football team declassified podcast. You know who we all are by now. No need for an introduction. Uh, let's see. We are now two and six, not where we thought we'd be. And if you're out there listening and you're saying, yeah, I knew we'd be two and six. Well, more power to you because I didn't think we'd be this bad, but it's not good. Before we get too far into kind of where we are, let's talk about yesterday's game. Um, Brian, why don't we start with who done it? Who do you think uh, was the reason for the loss yesterday? Who done it? So anybody who has the title offensive anything in their job description, they did it. Everybody, coaches, players, uh, we could not muster anything more than 10 points. I mean, that's that's it. That's all we could get against a team in Denver who was ailing yesterday. I mean, they they had linebackers that they just traded for a week ago. They started two rookies. Von Miller didn't play, but all we could get was 10 points. So any any offensive intern, anybody who just happened to walk in an offensive meeting room with the Washington football team, they're they're all to blame. Uh, they could not find a way to get in the end zone yet again this week. You know, they move the ball up and down. Uh, they get, uh, you know, they, they pick up some, uh, you know, big plays. And then in the red zone, it was like, you know, nothing. No, no one could figure out a way. Coaching staff player could not figure out a way to get in the end zone. So anybody, everybody associated with the offense, offensive coordinator, quarterback, um, anything. Uh, it, it was a really, really bad performance uh, by the entire group, top to bottom. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're starting to pile these up. Eric, what did you think about the game yesterday? Uh, went about how I thought it would. Uh, I didn't think there would be a lot of points scored. Um, I thought the t- Washington defense was played a little better for the most part. Uh, I thought Landon Collins had a great game. Uh, really, really good to see him just kind of adju- uh, adjust to that role and really take off. So um, whether he likes it or not, he's good at it. So hopefully we'll see more of that. Um, you know, the offensive performance speaks for itself. I just – I really think it's it's time to as – much, as much as I think Kyle Allen isn't going to really help, the opposing teams have figured out Taylor Heineke at this point, and keeping him in there really serves no purpose. You're going to eventually – I don't know that the team's given up on him yet, but uh, they're probably going to give up on him at some point because he's just not getting it done. Uh, throwing the pass out of bounds on the last play of the game. I mean, even oh, if it's intercepted, put it in the end zone. Like, what do you like? Give somebody at least a chance to make a play. Just go and throw it out of the end zone. Uh, the lack of arm strength is just really a problem. Um, I love him as a backup, and I think if he comes in off the bench cold can really wreck an opposing team's game plan. I really like, I think he's the long-term backup here in DC. He's not the starter. Uh, Kyle Allen is definitely not the solution, but you got to change things up. You got to make a change at some point because Heineke's just not getting it done. Yeah. And I hate that we're having this conversation about another quarterback, another year 
Here we are. I mean, yeah, it's, but we, I mean, you know, we were saying it all off season, weren't we? we you're going to, you're going to see all three. Uh, obviously the Fitzpatrick injury was unforeseen. Um, but, you know, his history dictates that he wasn't going to be the long, you know, he wasn't going to play all 17 games um, either by injury or performance. Um, so, you know, I think it's, I think it's Kyle time. It's time for him to, to show us, show us what he's got. And really it's, it's an audition for him. Um, you know, you know what you have in Heineke at this point, give Allen, you know, the month of November, uh, come out of the bye, give him, you know, give him the three starts in November, see if he can jumpstart this league because, uh, or, or this team, because, you know, down the stretch, you know, you've got five straight division games. So as bad as they are right now, they're really not out of it. Um, you know, they could you know, run the table of the last month of the season you know, you're six and zero in the division if you win those games. Uh, so as crazy as that sounds, you know, it's not out of the question that this could, you know, this team still could make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, if you're going to make that stretch run, you got to make sure you know what you've got behind, behind center. And if, you know, Heineke right now, they know what they have in him. If he's better than, you know, Allen, let Allen prove that Heineke's better than him in the next three games, um, you know, and so that you're certain with what you have down the stretch. So why not? Why not make the switch at this point? I don't. I don't see a reason not to. Eric, is there any way we come out of the bye week and Heineke starts against Tampa? Yeah, I. I, I wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Rivera's very. He's a very loyal coach. Uh, he. He really seems to trust his assistants. He really seems to. You know. Uh, you know he he seems to like Heineke. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Heineke comes out as a starter. I don't think it's the right move, though. But, I'm, you know, Ron has done a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with uh, personnel-wise. So, you know, it's all, it, you know he's the head coach. It's his decision. He seems to like Heineke. So who knows? You know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he's a starter. You know, Just don't expect any different results. Right. It's kind of crazy, too, that we traded a fifth-round pick for three starts with Kyle Allen. Just more the personnel decisions right. to just kind of like, man, what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know. Brian, we are at a point now with our running game that is just absolutely maddening. Yesterday, Gibson had his typical line, 4.2 or 3 yards per carry with 11 attempts. Or maybe less than that. I can't remember. Oh no, he had he had less. He had eight carries. Eight. Uh, Patterson had eleven. Yeah, Patterson finally got in the game, and guess what he did? Average the same thing as Gibson, just about. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is wrong with our running game? Well, I mean the the first thing is uh, it's it's simple, right? There's there's not a um, you know commitment to the run. There's not a you know you know, real importance placed on the run, which is just, you know, maddening because like we don't have a stud QB. I can understand if, if we had our guy, if we had the franchise quarterback, then let's sling it 50 times a game. Let's, you know, let's throw it all around, get all kinds of points, but we don't, we have a backup level QB um, who does have some uh, arm strength and arm talent limitations. So instead of, uh, you know, putting the game in his hands constantly, Let's lean on the run game, but we don't do that. We don't. We 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 lean on the QB. We lean on the QB to make every throw. So, uh, you 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 get you know what we got yesterday and what we've gotten all season, which is a handful of runs, 
um, out of the same formation, um, you know, that, that inside handoff shotgun uh, formation, that's, that's what we live and die with in terms of running. Um, but what I will say, um, uh, you know, you guys tell me, uh, I liked how Patterson uh, ran uh, in terms of his vision and finding at, you know, the running lanes, you know, uh, there were times when he, as soon as he approached the line, he would put, he would just pause just briefly, maybe like a split second, put his hand on the offensive lineman's back, just kind of pause real quick. And then the crease would open up and then he would be right up in the hole. You know, uh, sometimes I see Gibson just kind of run right into the back of the offensive lineman. And maybe it's a two yard game. Maybe it's three to where, you know, Patterson is a running back. That's what he's always been. So, you know, kind of finding, uh, you know, having that vision, finding that hole, finding the running lane, you know, came a little bit more natural to me uh, to him. And that uh, Gibson, Gibson kind of looked a, a little bit better in a, you know, change of pace back type role where he's not the feature back where he's getting a handful of carries where they're splitting them out or where he's getting a, a couple of catches too. So I, I don't know if that's not his, his best role uh, is a, uh, um, you know, change of pace type guy, almost, you know, somewhat similar to, uh, to McKissick uh, right now uh, and somebody else uh, be that lead back. So, um, you know, it's clear, uh, Scott Turner isn't interested in, in uh, running the football. Eric, your man, Terry McLaurin, had three catches, 23 yards. I yeah. know you couldn't have enjoyed that. <laughs> no, it's not fun to watch. You got to target him to get it. You know, you got to, you know, he's proven that he can get, he can go up and get it if you put it out there. Uh, there was one throw, uh, it was down the sideline. He was completely blanketed. Uh, and Heineke missed him badly anyway, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta target him. You know, he's got, he can get his numbers if he gets the targets, but I don't, I don't know what he had five targets yesterday. Um, I, and I just making that up. I honestly have no seven. idea how many targets he had. It was seven. seven targets. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you want to do with that. I mean, you gotta, you gotta feed him the ball. Uh, maybe a quarterback with a little more arm strength. Uh you know, gets him the ball, you know, he didn't have any drops. I think he had, I mean, I don't know if he had seven targets. I think that term, the term target is used very loosely because <laughs> uh, the ball may have been in the vicinity of him. But I mean, that one God awful throw, that little swing pass, yeah. the wide receiver screen that was set up to go for 15 yards, but Heineke just threw it six yards behind, you know, McLaren for some reason. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's got to be, he's got to be frustrated. McLaren has to be I mean he'll never say it but how frustrating is that to know that you have as much talent as he does but you don't have anybody to get you the ball uh I don't know he's my guy so you, you won't get me saying a bad word about him but uh you know he he needs to he needs to be more involved in the offense I guess you could say and then there's a kicker <laughs> and then there's a kicker all, got... everybody, all y'all wanted Hopkins cut you, you you wanted to cut him you got what you wanted well, there's a we, difference, we tried though. To, there, there's we tried a difference. to tell you, there's nobody, you can't find anybody in the middle of the season to replace what you have. Everybody. All the good kickers guys. already have jobs. They don't have All to the be good, good kickers already have jobs. Just don't get your kick blocked. <laughs> I mean, this guy, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they are getting the fun... blocked at the line. Yes. I mean, the one, there was a little bit of pressure on the one yesterday, but the other two that he's had blocked were, I mean, right at the line of scrimmage. So it's coming off low. It's on him. It's like they go under the goalpost even if they got there. Like, this guy yeah. is just he's, – he's different. And they've been trying this guy out on and off all season. So, they had to know. Yeah. Like, you had to know. 
He's got leg strength, though. He's, he I mean, like, what is he doing in the scrimmage? It's pretty accurate. Yeah. What is he doing in practice? Isn't he kicking it into the backs of the offensive linemen in practice? Like, they should have known this. It's like Rivera said it's like nerves. He's like, oh, he just gets excited and he hits the ball too high or he kicks the ball. He's, you know, up in the middle of the ball or a pile of the ball or something like that instead of getting low on it. He's not getting under it. That's pop. I mean, yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, I think the stat was Hopkins had two field goals blocked in like seven years. <laughs> this guy's got three in two games. So I mean, maybe he'll get. Abke, maybe he'll work through it. Just have Apke yeah. kick it. Apke kick it. He can. You're exactly right. I don't see what the problem is there. It's so frustrating. And honest to God, like I know for everybody out there, I know Heineke is not the sole problem, nor is he at the no. top of the list for the blame. But he is part of the problem, right? Absolutely. He is. If if you're not the reason we're winning, then you're part of the problem. That's everybody. Like, yep, you're no, not the problem. You're not the solution. Exactly. Nobody should be feeling good about themselves right now, outside of Jonathan Allen, maybe. But this whole thing is just going off the rails, and I, I frankly don't even know what to say anymore because. We lose to good teams and we lose to bad teams. And and then you have to take a look in the mirror and say, you know what? We are the bad team. <laughs> Slightly less bad teams are losing, not losing. It's true. You know, are 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 barely beating <clears throat> us. Like I think we're just at that point in the season where it's we're just you gotta evaluate who you are at this point. And like, Eric, you made a point like the the division is not completely lost, right? Like there's still games to go. We have a lot of divisional games. The Cowboys seem to be running away with this. So is there hope for the seventh playoff spot? Maybe. But at this point, I'm not sure I care if it comes at the expense of figuring out who we are and what we're doing. And I'm just I, I watching games like yesterday just have me thoroughly confused about this football team. I, re- I really, really am. And the scariest part about it all for me is that we're not answering the critical questions we needed to answer going into the season. So we could do something about it this offseason. For example, are we set at wide receiver? We don't know because the wide receivers we decided to bring in are never on the field. So now we go into an offseason, not sure if we need to add talent at wide receiver. Are we set? Uh, Can this offensive scheme work in the NFL? We don't know. We don't know. Doesn't put up points, like I said earlier on Twitter. 17 to, to 19 points. That's that's basically the cap for this offense here every week. And last week, and the last couple weeks, has been less than that. 13, yep. We don't know. And, and now we have the excuse of, well, we don't have a quarterback to operate this system. So we can't really tell you if it's going to be good or not. You know what the problem with that is? Let's say we draft a guy, right? And we get lucky and we get one of the better guys in the draft, but the offense still doesn't work. So what are you doing in this guy's second year? you're firing the coordinator and you're bringing in a whole new system, which is basically how we victimized every quarterback that's come through this door since Mm -hmm. ever. It's just exactly right. We're just lining things up to just go wrong in the future again. And I tell you what, let's talk. I'm going to talk about the rebuild piece of this too, because this really bothers me. The more that this goes on, Ron Rivera, when he was hired, had the, complete and perfect opportunity and excuse to blow this thing all the way up down to the ground right like 
anybody with the name could be traded for pennies on the dollar. Nobody would have backed nine, right? We could have gone out and just found the most inexperienced guys anywhere and plugged them in and said, you know what? We're rebuilding. It's going to be rough. I'm just going to do it from day one and we'll figure it out as we go. Didn't do that, right? I saw the quote somebody put out on Twitter today that was something like that from Ron when he got hired about rebuilds not taking five years anymore because, you know, Snyder doesn't have that much patience and neither does he. Why say that, bro? <laughs> like, why say that when you're getting hired? And then his actions have followed that. Why is Brandon Sheriff on the roster right now? What value does he add to our future? Nothing. Why didn't we just let him walk? I mean, I get the it's a business and value and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? We got to get better, right? We should be playing as many young guys as possible. I don't care what anybody else's contract is. At some point, you can get out of that contract, play everybody young. Just blow. We should have blown the whole thing up. But now that we're halfway through or will be after the season of, of the contract for Rivera, you can't do that anymore. You can't start a complete teardown year three of a five-year deal. We're kind of now we're pigeonholed into trying to retool instead of rebuild. Like he had the opportunity to do so. Why is Fitzpatrick here? Just play Heineke. Who cares if it's if it works this year or not? He didn't have he didn't have an obligation to try to win this year, but he felt like the opportunity was there based on the playoffs, I guess, and he tried to take it. Why is Curtis Samuel here? I like Curtis Samuel as a player. What value does he add to our long term future here? If he's not going to be part of this for the next five to six years, why is he here, right? Unless you're trying to win now, which should have never been part of the equation. Sorry. Charles Leno, great guy, does a lot of community work. He's 30 years old. Why do we sign him? Shouldn't be here. Everybody on this team should be, what, 26 and under. Or they shouldn't be playing at all right now, if you ask me. And not only that, but should have controllable years by the team in terms of contract. Or they should not be playing this year because this should have been a complete rebuild from the ground up and he started he tried to start from the fourth floor and add on to it and that's not a rebuild and now we're kind of seeing the consequences of that so now he doesn't get that opportunity anymore i'm not even certain that he has enough time to put a rookie quarterback into this this system because who are we what are we what do we have to offer the rookie quarterback that's going to help him be successful like, I feel like this is leading us to almost have to bring in a vet next year because of the way that this whole thing is structured. We're kind of, we got some pieces that are ready to go and try to win, but aren't going to be long-term. And then we got some young pieces that are inexperienced and we're not even sure if they're good. What, what good does it bring, a, you know, to bring a rookie into that mess? That's all I'm saying. So would you, would you agree that we whiffed on the off season this year? Yes, absolutely. So, I'm going to throw a name out there for you. Let me know if this rings a bell. Kyle Smith. Yes. I thought about that. Yes. I thought about that earlier, Eric, and I'm glad you brought that up. We knocked last offseason out of the park. Mm -hmm. And we let the guy who orchestrated the previous offseason walk out the door and brought in Ron's guys. And uh, I mean, what offseason move? Like, who did we bring in? this offseason like who has wor- actually worked out well, Kyle Smith is just uh, the draft right he, he's just a uh, a draft he doesn't do um like offseason stuff uh like uh like a he wouldn't sign Curtis Samuel right 
I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember exactly. But, I mean, even look at the look at this year's draft compared to last. Yeah, um, I think the uh, draft. But, yeah, even, even then, like uh, Derek Forrest, like he's uh, – wh- where is he? Is he on practice squad or IR? Like he, he didn't – I think he was – yeah, he's been IR'd. But yeah, I mean, what, what, I mean, he's the guy who's, he's probably still chasing that fake that he fell for in the preseason. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the last it time was, I saw uh, him. It was almost a, but a, I mean, an clone. you know, you look at the, you look at the success with third rounders and we had a lot of hope for Tiami Brown and for uh, St. Juice and St. Juice is just, he's kind of taken his lumps. Uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he's terrible, honestly. I mean, he's definitely, uh, you know, got a steep learning curve and he's taken his lumps as a rookie, but I think it'll serve him well. I mean, Deami Brown is it might as well be invisible. Having, I mean, what does he have? Three catches this year? Two catches? He's got Eight. like no yeah. production. Yeah. Eight? Seriously? Yeah. And I got to watch closer because yeah, I haven't even seen that guy make a catch. Um, but he, you know, he's injured. You know, Curtis. Sam- I I can see the point of bringing in Curtis Samuel even as part of a rebuild because he's only twenty four, um, and he's under a four year deal. Um, so it kind of made sense. Um, and I really feel like they thought that they brought in pieces this year that a journeyman quarterback they could plug and play and would make, you know, make, you know, make the offense run. Uh, but those pieces just haven't worked out. Uh, obviously Samuel has been injured all season. Deami Brown hasn't worked out. Um, you know, you didn't really upgrade at running back, but Gibson seems like he's regressed a little bit. He's got the fumbles. Um, you know, McKissick is still a, a very productive player and I'd like to see him on the field more. And I think, um, Brian, you hit the nail on the head earlier. As I think Gibson is basically a bigger version of McKissick. Yeah. Um, and I think he that that role for him may be more. He may be more suited for that role uh, in the NFL. Um, but that you know leaves us. I don't feel like Jarrett Patterson. Unfortunately, is going to be an every down back though. So yes. you don't really. If you move, you know, you know Gibson and McKissick make them interchangeable. You really don't have that workhorse. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I you know. This this off season, you know, is, is first is Ron's first real off season uh, running the show without Kyle Smith, and uh, the results thus far have not been good. Eric, you and I were highly—I don't say critical, but we were not believers in Patterson uh, when we did our uh, episode on the rookie draft. No, class. I think we were extremely pragmatic about Patterson. I don't think we we didn't not like him. We just don't have, we are we did not have very high expectations for patterson put it that way we said and why should you guy. Yeah. yeah yeah why should you have expectations for an undrafted rookie who's five foot two <laughs> well it's it's the what do they call it ashburn syndrome right where everybody's yes. an all-time great and you see him in the preseason and you're like oh that guy's great and no he's not now that doesn't mean that patterson's not going to be good i just know we were very practical about our assessment with patterson and he got some time, and he should have got time because Gibson has does not have his explosion this year at all, right? And that's probably because he's hurt, but it's not there. So Patterson deserved the opportunity, but I think you see with that opportunity, he's pretty much doing the same thing Gibson's doing while Gibson's hurt. So, you know, we got to address some things in the offseason. It just, I, I think overall, the plan that Rivera had is not working, and that's that's dangerous. Because now he's got to come up with a new plan. And, and to me, that plan was build everything first, drop a quarterback into it, right? It's like trying to hold water in your hands, though. You know what I'm saying? Because as soon as something starts leaking, it, it has no value anymore. So now everything they tried to put together, they got to go back and replace. 
So are you going to drop the quarterback in now? Or are you going to wait until you get you plug the leaky holes again? And if you do that, then Lord only knows when it's going to be. As far as like Curtis Samuel, yes, he's young. I understand what you're saying. But to me, don't address the receiver position until you find a quarterback because you need to know what type of receivers fit best with the quarterback of your future, right? That might not be Curtis Samuel. Maybe Curtis can play with any quarterback. Maybe not, right? So until you know who your long-term future is, then you shouldn't do it. Now, I know they probably thought Fitzpatrick was going to be the answer for this year and probably next year, so they thought they were set. That's a whole other thing because I don't see – I don't know why they thought that either. Yeah, you know, we've been we were very clear on our thoughts on Fitzpatrick. We were much lower on Fitzpatrick, I think, than we were on Patterson. Neither of us were super thrilled about him. Absolutely, I'm Millie, still, I think, you know, yeah. I think your um, I think your assessment of Ron though is, uh, I mean, it, it's spot on. I mean, how big of a miscalculation did Ron make? Uh, he clearly saw or thought the defense from 2020 was solid. It was ascending in that in 2021, it would carry the team, right? I just need to get a vet QB. I mean, that's the whole point of getting a vet QB is that you think you have things in place already. You've got a defense, you got some offensive weapons, and then it all blew up. It all went, uh, you know, to hell. Uh, this season the defense was they weren't bad they're awful they I mean they're they're just about last in every category and then your vet QB goes down in the first quarter of the first game I mean how big of a mistake uh, was that was that plan that he had I mean that's 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 a huge uh, that's a huge misstep uh, to have that as your plan moving into a uh, NFL season and then literally you know first quarter of the first game it all it's all burned up yeah, and Fitz wasn't exactly lighting it on fire in preseason either. No, so no. who knows what he got? Eric, let me ask you this question. The 2020 Washington football team shows up to FedEx Field to play the 2021 Washington football team. Who wins that game? Uh, the 2020 team uh, wins uh, walking away uh, because you have, well, I guess we should say who's playing quarterback for 2020. If it's an Alex Smith team, Alex Smith's team dismantles our defense. Um, the, you know, the Dwayne Haskins, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not even Kyle, I, Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm talking Dwayne about Dwayne Haskins, the, it's, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know, the 2020, yeah. I mean, yeah, the we'll go with the Alex defense, Smith. Yeah, the Alex Smith yeah. team. Alex Smith, his very efficient, boring style of quarterback play would have – fared well against our defense yeah and the defense just was playing much more inspired last year and maybe we all owe John Bostic an apology <laughs> because maybe he was so much better than we all gave him credit for it I don't know I don't know yeah, honestly the de- but the defense really they're still not great but they're they have improved over the last few weeks they've played they've it's been a little bit more respectable the defensive front uh, especially the interior has has stepped up its game. Uh, obviously, Allen's been playing well, but uh, Durant Payne's been doing a very good job, even though it's been unheralded. You know, the numbers aren't there, but he's doing a really good job clogging up on lanes. Um, you know, the backup guys have really stepped it up. Uh, Sweat has kind of disappeared, other than getting jumping off sides. We haven't really heard a lot from him lately. Um, even Chase Young is kind of doing some little things that are that are improving, but we really need to see some production out of those guys. And Don't I remember, come into the season talking about setting an all-time sack record geez, and then just yeah. put up goose eggs. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the kiss of death for the season right there when they started talking about that. Yeah. Famous so, those yeah. Yep. yeah, they get ahead of themselves and that's over. So I remember we, um, uh, we Eric, you remember we were comparing our, our players and you said uh, Chase Young and Mario Williams. And I remember I put that on social media. Everybody was scoffing at yeah. that. <laughs> was I wrong? Not looking like it. <laughs> Man, I said JJ. I didn't even Watt. think it was about like, because yeah. y'all are talking about Mario Williams like he's some kind of a bum too. Like he was a legit player. He was really good. Yeah. So I don't know. But he wasn't, a, a Mario he, wasn't, Williams hate. he wasn't a 25 sack guy. That's why. But of course, no. neither is Chase Young at this neither point. Neither is Chase Young. I don't know. He's looking pretty Mario Williams like the <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Put yeah. that back on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Tell all those followers where to go. <laughs> I will. Brian, uh, Chase Young's getting a lot of hate on social media lately. Is it is it warranted? Are we over, or not we, but are people overreacting, saying that Chase Young is a bust and shouldn't have been the pick? Is the is the 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 criticism warranted? Absolutely. Is the bust talk, uh, you know, legitimate? No, I, I think it's way too early to call him a bust. Um, criticism, absolutely. Uh, his play hasn't been. Uh, you know, where we expect it, where it should be. I mean, there are simple things that, uh, you know, he's not doing. I mean, one of my biggest things I look for, uh, especially in the defensive line, and, you know, when you're talking about an edge rusher, a pass rusher, is the ability to get off blocks. And there are times where he's single blocked, right? I know there's been a lot of talk this season about, is he getting chipped, right? Is he getting double teamed? Yeah, that's happened. It's not happening on every play, though. There's a lot of plays where he's just single blocked by some no name right tackle or some, uh, you know, average left tackle. And it's like, get off the block, make a play. And he doesn't. He stays engaged. And the next thing you know, uh, the quarterback runs by him or, you know, the uh, running back runs by him or the quarterback has all day to throw. Um, so, yeah, there are things that he needs to work on, clean up. I mean, I have not yet seen, you know, uh, additional counter moves in his repertoire. It's it's basically he either tries to run around uh, the tackle or he bull rushes them. You know, one of the two. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of the hand fighting, a lot of the hand techniques um, to get uh, himself off of those blocks and get to the quarterback. So, yeah, criticism absolutely warranted. Is he a bust? No, not at all. And I think it's way too early to uh, to start talking about that kind of thing um, uh, at all. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you can't be drafted that high and not think that there's not going to be some criticism um, and uh, the play hasn't matched. So, yeah, he, he's got some work to do. But, uh, I mean, you know, I think uh, Eric said it the last couple of weeks we've started to, to see a little bit. But the problem is we need to see more. Um, you know, the incremental uh, growth is good, but we need to see more. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't. Like, I'm glad he's great in all areas of the you – know, he's good in all areas of the game, but we didn't draft him second overall to stop the run. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's here to yeah. get after the quarterback, and yeah. he's got to do it. Um, I'm, I've been looking at this all week, and I forget who said it because there's so many interactions on Twitter, and I appreciate every one of them. But somebody said Ryan Kerrigan was a comp for what he is or has been. And the other one was Jadavian Clowney. You know, what's funny about the Ryan Kerrigan comparison is that Ryan Kerrigan had one move and then he'd look for the penalty every time. 
He'd, let, he'd look for the holding call. He didn't get it because I guess he wasn't respected enough across the league. But um, Chase Young can still develop. I, I have not lost hope on Chase Young at all. I think he just really needs to work on his craft this offseason. Uh, Brian, I think you have a theory you want to share with us. Hit us with your theory. Oh, I do have a theory. Um, so we were just talking about it. The 2020 defense, right? The 2020 defense looked pretty good. It looked solid. We didn't have issues tackling people. Guys knew where to line up. Um, even the offense, the offense was limited, but, um, you know, there, there still wasn't, um, you know, a lot of the mistakes, uh, on office. We, we just didn't have a lot of playmakers, uh, to help, uh, whether it was Alex Smith or, uh, Kyle Allen or whoever, uh, the coaches made adjustments in 2020, right? Like there were, there were games where defensively we made adjustments. The other team didn't score, uh, in the second half where they only scored three points this year, no adjustments, Coaches aren't really making adjustments. They're just sticking with the plan as is. Um, so I'm wondering, did Ron Rivera pull the okie doke on us? Uh, and what I mean is his plan backfired game one, right? Fitz goes down. Our defense isn't very good. Um, we get to the third game of the season. Ron Rivera famously says it's a measuring stick game with Buffalo. You know, this is, this is a game that we're going to measure ourselves. We're going to see how we stack up. Are we close? Do we got a lot of work to do? And Buffalo snatched the measuring stick out of Ron's hand and beat us with it that game. I mean, they, they just took us to the woodshed and we were not close. And I think Ron realized my defense isn't there. Like I thought it was the quarterback play isn't there. Like I thought it was, let's just stay the course, work on fundamentals. And uh, we will end up with a draft pick because I mean, we're looking at coaches not making, um, uh, you know, decisions about putting other players in the game. Like last year, we benched Jaron Christensen, Wes Martin, um, Dwayne Haskins, Troy Apke. Who have we benched this year? Nobody. We just, it took us six weeks to move Landon Collins to linebacker. Like, that's crazy. We didn't bench Bostic for any missed tackles or poor play he had. He it literally took an injury to get him off the field. Um, so it's just really odd that all of a sudden these coaches just couldn't figure it out, right? They, they went last year from making all these great moves, these great adjustments, and now uh, they, they don't know anything. They can't figure anything out. They're taking forever to make uh, simple adjustments that we all saw coming. So, I mean, is Ron tanking? Is he actually tanking? And we just don't know it. Like he, he realized his plan was awful and said, okay, we're going to get uh, we're going into tank mode and we're going to get ourselves a quarterback in the draft. Is that happening? Maybe they're tanking and they don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who are we tanking for? So we've got Kenny Pickett, University of Pittsburgh quarterback. We've got uh, Matt Corral, Ole Miss uh, quarterback. Uh, we've got Desmond Ritter, uh, University of Cincinnati, uh, number two team in the country, undefeated uh, quarterback. And there's a couple other guys um, uh, as well. There's one guy, uh, Grayson McCall, who um, he's younger. We're not sure if he'll uh, declare or not, but there, there's a couple of guys. That, you know, I, I hear people say it, it's not um, – Oh, it's not like last year's draft class. Well, you know, typically that's, that's how it goes, right? There's one draft class, you know, every couple of years, that's uh, really, really good. But regardless of that, there's still, you know, one or two guys that you can find out of there that'll end up being, you know, productive and uh, be good players. So, you know, you, you, 
we we've got to find one. I mean, we can't uh, we can't say uh, throw our hands up and uh, you know let this opportunity pass us by. If we're going to be this awful, we've got to get a guy because uh, I mean our, our our alternatives aren't very good. So uh, when we're picking at number three and there's five quarterbacks on the board, how will you feel when we take a uh, defensive tackle? <laughs> I will cry uh, profusely. <laughs> Or a free sa- or a strong safety inside the uh, box safety. <laughs> oh, and, uh, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. Oh. Yeah. It'll be a guard or something. It just yeah, yeah. a guard. That's a good one. But Eric, I agree with what you're saying. Like if you're tanking, you have to know what you're out for, and you have to know that you're going to be able to address that position. You shouldn't be tanking to get a a non-skill play. And as a matter of fact, you shouldn't tank if it's not a quarterback, regardless or an elite pass rusher. Um, I don't – Or I, I see where, corner. Maybe. But even that is a little sketchy. Like, you know, you have to really, really know and identify what you want, and it has to be a generational talent to do so. I don't think any of these quarterbacks fit in that category. A good friend of the podcast at QB Spotlight, who's uh, Stephen Hammer, he, he – I talk to him all the time about what's coming up in the draft because that's where my mind is with quarterback. And he says he likes the Carson kid, number one, but everybody else is kind of like, you know, they're there. So there are a lot of people who pay a lot more attention to quarterbacks than I do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I value their opinion. I just don't know myself. And if, if it's not clear who the number one or number two guy is that makes me nervous when it comes to that type of approach. So um, I, I, I just, I just hope they have a plan in general. I don't see it. I can't put the pieces together mentally myself, but I hope they do. Uh, Let's do this. Eric, tell me how they can salvage the season and what salvaging the season would mean to you. Uh, well, if you're not going to make the playoffs, then just tank. That would be my, uh, I don't want to finish. I don't want to finish seven and 10 or eight and nine. I want to finish. I want to make the playoffs or I want to be four and 13. That's pretty much where I want to be. Cause I want to, I want to high draft it. Um, I don't want to be middling, but I do think as bad as they've been, the defense has started to turn it around a little bit. Uh, if they can continue that. Uh, I really look at those last five games all in the division. So if you can get, you know, go two and two leading up to those five games and then go four and one um, down the stretch, uh, heaven forbid five and oh down the stretch, you know, you've got a playoff slot locked up. That's salvaging the season to me. How can they do it? Um, You have to get more production out of the quarterback position, Um, be that Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, or getting Ryan Fitzpatrick back healthy. Somebody's got to step up and make plays uh, from the quarterback position. I, I don't see Heineke doing it. Uh, I believe Ron Rivera just said today that Heineke is the guy going forward. So, uh, you know, uh, Brian might be right. Um, Thank <laughs> but, you. Uh, come, on, come on, number one spot. Yeah, but he also said, you know, he's sticking with Hopkins, and I don't know how that worked out. So we'll <laughs> see. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the only, the only way you salvage the season is to make the playoffs which means you got to turn things around really quickly and get hot uh, and get a lot of breaks down the stretch. Uh, so come out and stomp on Tampa uh, and let that set the tone for the rest of the season. Um, That's easy to do. 
yeah, let's see. Let's see if that happens. But that's how you turn it around. If they don't turn it around, I couldn't care less. I don't want to. I don't want to be drafting 13 through 17 next year. Yeah. Not what I want. I want. I want honestly top five pick. I'll settle for top ten, but um, I don't want to be picking in the teens because you're just not going to improve your team. You know, you're kind of in purgatory when you're there. Um, yeah. But we don't want that. So basically, you want to be able to watch the draft next year and still go to bed before nine o'clock yeah. while also seeing our <laughs> exactly. pick. Exactly. <laughs> you know I'm getting old. I got a bedtime. <laughs> Brian, same question for you, man. How would you turn the season around or salvage the season, I should say? And what does salvaging the season mean for you? Oh, so if I was going to salvage the season, I mean, there would be multiple benchings different players uh, coming up. I mean, defensively, Bobby McCain uh, would have to go down. Um, you know, I, I would be bringing in some uh, additional linebackers, whether they're off the street or off our practice squad or wherever. I mean, there there has to be a lot of change. I mean, we, we've basically made no changes and we're two and six. Um, so if, if we're even thinking about uh, you know, trying to perform better, getting better production, getting get, but, uh, getting better production in the red zone, then we're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to make some changes about how we call plays, about what players we're putting out there offensively, uh, because the group that is out there now, for whatever reason, it is not working. You know, whether that you, if you just want to change the quarterback, okay. Um, but I still think you're going to have similar problems. Maybe it'll be, you know, one or two less interceptions, but I don't think we're going to be, you know, scoring any types of, you know, large, uh, large amount of points or anything uh, like that without some kind of major change uh, schematically, philosophically, whether we say, okay, we've got all these injuries on the O-line, let's start to run it a little bit more as opposed to uh, just trying to drop back and uh, pass. Let's start moving the pocket. Let our mobile quarterbacks actually get out in space and, you know, um, put some pressure on the, uh, on the defense a little bit more uh, with their mobility. Um, so it got to be a lot of changes or else uh, it's going to be more of the same. Now, if they do make some of these changes and we do start to turn it around and win, um, I, I don't, you know, it's basically the same thing uh, as Eric said. I, I don't want to just win, you know, you know, two or three more games. Uh, and then we do get stuck in, um, you know, 17th pick, 19th pick, and we're too far away uh, from particularly a quarterback. Like we need a quarterback. We have a new team name coming next year. There's going to be new uniforms, new logos, and we are going to need to sell tickets, right? We, we already saw the story about, um, Washington football team uh, being bottom five in um, ticket sales or fan attendance at games. Well, you know how you, you, you sell some tickets, you draft a quarterback high, right? That gives you, gives you hope. And uh, what better way to kick off that, uh, that new, uh, new team name than with a QB. So uh, if we're, if we're not going to make those type of changes and we're not going to win, then uh, give me two, three, uh, four wins and uh, give me a top uh, draft spot. I'm going to say the way that I would salvage the season and what salvaging the season means for me. I'm putting every young dude in at every spot I can find. I don't care what happens. Let me find any young guy that I, I think I have hope that he's going to be around for the future post rebuild. And I'm putting him in the game now. And then I'm going to tell the fans straight up. I'm trying to see what we got in these young guys, because a lot of the guys that, our known names aren't going to be here that long. So now I don't care about them anymore. 
I don't, and if we never win another game this year, I'm cool with that. If we're letting the young guys eat, let them develop, let them, let them grow. So then we can make the difficult decisions in the off season. Right. I don't want to run anybody out there that is not definitively part of the future or that I'm not sure. Or let me say that this way. I don't want anybody out there that I know is not going to be part of my future. If there's guys I'm unsure about, let them play, let them get some run. But you know, Terry's going to be here. Let him continue to play. I'm putting AG on IR. Let him heal up for next year. Don't care. I like, bro, he's part of the future, whether we think we need another back or not. He's here. He's going to be here. Let him heal up. He has nothing else to prove to me right now. He's not getting better playing like this, right? Diami, I, I don't care how much you are, you don't have confidence or whatever the issue is, you're playing 100% of the snaps. And I'm going to give you 10 targets a game because I want to see what you have because I'm not worried about winning right now. I need to see what we have and the players that we have. And you know what? I'm going to scheme you against the best DBs in the league. Let you learn. Let's, let's see how you do. Right. I, I just, I'm, I'm to me, if they go in that direction and they just say, forget about making a playoff push so we can get kicked out in the first round. Let me learn what I need to learn about this team and then we'll deal with the losses because you know what? Those losses are coming anyway, but not really saving anything. To me, that salvages the season. As long as we know that, look, our young guys are playing and they're improving, then this whole season was worth it. But I'm afraid that's not what's going to happen. They're going to bring back Fitz. You know, they're going to start trying to, to, to win some games against the Seahawks. And, and, and I know you show up every week to, to try to win. Nobody wants to see us try to lose. I'm not suggesting that we try to lose. I'm suggesting that we play players that we know are going to be here long-term or at least have a chance to be here long-term. Fitz ain't that dude. You know what I'm saying? I think he's a backup, cool, whatever. You got to play somebody at quarterback. But I, I just – bro, what happened to Sammy Reyes? What happened to that dude? Remember when he was like the preseason hype? Put that guy in the game. And see what he's gonna do well there's a fine line between seeing what your young players have and getting your quarterback killed because your tight end can't block so if he's not ready to play if he's going to get somebody hurt you can't have him in there why is he on the active roster i don't know that's a great question you know if we put samus reyes in we may go undefeated the rest of the season <laughs> that's cool. he's the he's the troy Apke of the office exactly exactly there's no telling what samus reyes will do out there no telling. No, that's true. Because <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> I just, I meant give Patterson a bunch of carries. So you know definitively if you need to go in the draft and get somebody early. Third round is early for running back for me. You know, I just, I want to see it. The last thing I want to say is, man, this backup quarterback conversation is starting to drive me nuts too because Yesterday, all around the league, backup quarterbacks were tossing for oh. 400 yards. And our our quote-unquote long-term backup that we have now can't throw for – Well, there's a difference, though. Those guys are a game or two into their starts. This guy's in week eight. You give those guys eight starts and see what kind of numbers they're putting up. So that's not a fair comparison. You don't think so? No. You think – Well, you I think that- – you think that dude for the Jets is going to be thrown for 450 yards in week 16 if he's still playing Easy. against? Come on, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. 
I tell you what, though, Heineke's was. You know, that's what I'm saying. Our backup was throwing for 350 yards this first three or four starts, too. So, hey, was he? Yeah, he was. Go yeah. back and look. Yeah, I am looking. Throwing three. Against yeah. the Chargers, okay, he threw 122 for 122 yards. That was like his second yeah, start, came right? In, that was not a start. That was no, uh, he that's came in the second quarter. That that's game. fair. He came I'll off go, the bench in that game. You're right. You're right. The Giants game, he threw for 336. Uh, it went downhill fast. Look, the bottom line is quarterbacks. He went for 300 against the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm just Still saying, you can't off. compare. Yeah, see what what's that guy, Mike White? Mike, Mike that's not Mike even a real White. name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, that's not even a real that? name, Mike. Mike White. That sounds like an alias when you you give somebody <laughs> when you don't want to talk to him ever again. Hey, man, what's your name? Uh, Mike White. Like it yeah. doesn't even sound like a real name. Wasn't that White Mike from the from the Wire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Geno uh, Smith won yesterday. Geno Smith is uh he, he he's been out there a long time. The Seahawks won with him yesterday. Dealing, he's was dealing. He going for 400. No, it was like 200 yards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pedestrian. Yeah, oh man, I, watch we sign him this offseason. It's gonna be great. But again, he came, yeah, he came off the he hasn't played a game in like five years and he just started like two weeks ago. So, yeah, that's again, give him a couple of starts and you know, see if they figure him out. It's the Matty Bridgewater one, yeah, yeah. Well, he's playing us, that doesn't count. <laughs> i got something um what uh did anyone else notice this it, there was four minutes left in the game jd mckissick uh all day had eight targets eight catches 83 yards so he, he caught everything thrown to him four minutes 13 seconds left in the game because I, I made a note of it he was not targeted again for the rest of the game and we lose like I just don't understand that. Like, who is that on? Is that Heineke or is that Scott Turner? Uh, you've got somebody who has big playability with J.D. McKissick. I mean, we've seen it. He's literally won us a game uh, because of his ability. But four minutes and 13 seconds left, he's not targeted again for the rest of the game, and we lose. Like, I, I just I don't even understand that concept. In a one-score game at that. So it wasn't yeah. like you didn't have the opportunity to throw right, it. Right, right. <laughs> It's just I just don't understand that kind of mindset. Like, who, who, you know, I know everyone wants to blame Heineke, but if I'm if I'm the the coach, I, I got to tell Heineke, hey, look for McKissick, look for McKissick. But yeah. anyway, something I saw. Indeed, it is frustrating. And uh, now we're going to bring on some of our guests. We got a uh, our guy David online, and you guys know him from social media. He's going to come speak his mind about the football team. And then we're going to throw it to Nigel in Australia, who's going to share his thoughts with the football team. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. Make sure you uh, stick around and check these guys out and hear what they got to say. Probably the most controversial man in uh, Washington football team Twitter as of the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have David online. David, why don't you introduce yourself and then uh, let's hear what you got to say. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me on here. Um, I mean, I posted a couple of tweets about Ron um, over the last two weeks and, you know, really got a lot of people upset. Um, and I know that you've called this section, you know, the fan rant, you know, the last couple of weeks, but, you know, this isn't a rant. A rant's something that's emotional. This is something that I think is really calculated. I think we, we need to objectively look at Ron's performance uh, because that's the issue. 
I think a lot of the reason that, that people are so attached to Ron is because it's really emotional at this point. Um, because giving up on Ron is giving up on another chunk of, of this team's progression. And I think I, for one, was very invested in him doing a good job. I was really invested in this season. I thought that this was going to be a breakout season. I was sure this was a playoff season. And it's heartbreaking to see that it isn't. Um, and, and that's caused me to really kind of look closely at Ron. Um, and there are some issues there because he's wearing two hats. Uh, he's wearing the GM hat and he's wearing the coach hat. Um, so kind of looking at the GM hat first, you have to think about what's the goal. And if the goal is a Super Bowl, which I think that's what we all want, it's a five-year rebuild to get there. Um, but that five-year rebuild comes with developing young players. And then the coach really has to be the, the chef in the kitchen um, with getting all the other pieces to all peak at just the right time. So just as you're getting your rookies developed, you're figuring out the positions that you want, You've got to make those free agent acquisitions. You've got to make some trades. Doing exactly what the Rams are doing right now. Plugging your last pieces and making your push to go all in, mortgage your entire future on making sure you're a championship team. Now, that's not what we're seeing right now. We're not seeing that five-year all-in plan on a Super Bowl. At the same time, you can have a goal, and you can have a respectable goal, which is to make the playoffs. And making the playoffs can be loading up on free agents, loading up on talent, giving big contracts, and saying this team on every one or two years, we're going to get a squad together that could be a playoff team. And they might flame out. You know, you might have a bad season after that. But we're also not seeing that. So we're not on a Super Bowl plan, and we're not on a make the playoffs plan. So that's the GM issue I'm seeing with Ron. Um, but even worse, because it's hard to be a GM. It's hard to make all those pieces come together, especially with the ownership issues we have. Um, but worse is we're seeing bad coaching from Ron. And part of that is player regression, which you don't ever want to see um, a successful coach do. And I think the, the worst example of that is Chase Young. And Chase Young is supposedly this generational talent. And what we're seeing with him is that he's not playing assignments. Um, he's giving up lanes. He's giving up early on the rush. It happened multiple game, uh, times in the game yesterday. He kind of halfway pushes, thinks he can jump up in the air, block a pass. It's because he doesn't want to commit to rushing the whole way. Um, and on top of that, they're dropping him back into coverage too. And that makes absolutely no sense for your elite generational uh, pressure guy to be eight yards deep trying to cover a slant route in coverage. And what it tells me seeing Chase Young is that he doesn't trust the coaches and he's not developing and he's not playing his assignments and he's not playing good football because he doesn't trust the coaches. And that's a major problem. Um, we're also not seeing adjustments to the player's talent. And I think Heineke is the biggest example of that. Um, Heineke doesn't have arm strength and he doesn't have accuracy. That's, that's just the honest assessment of it. And I would hope every coach could see that. So what you don't want to do is have, you know, 15 to 30 yard high accuracy sideline passes where he's got to be correct in every direction because they're not going to work well. And we saw that in the, in the last two-minute drill yesterday. He threw a crucial pass out of bounds, and he threw the next pass out of the back of the end zone. He's going to throw a dime once or twice a game, throw a miracle, throw a 50-50 ball. He's got athleticism, um, but what he doesn't have is arm strength and accuracy. And we're not creating a game plan around that. It makes no sense. Um, and then on top of that, we're seeing a lot of predictability in the play call. 
that what you guys talked about last week, that shotgun run over and over and over. So GM Ron is not in rebuild mode. Coach Ron is not in rebuild mode. And really where you can see that is with Landon Collins, um, this conversion to linebacker. He played much better in the game. Uh, you know, we saw him moving quickly downfield, making tackles, getting pressure. But that's not what we need. This team does not need a run pressure, pass pressure linebacker. We need people to cover. And so getting a guy six years under contract who's not working for the system isn't helpful at all. That's not part of a rebuild. Um, Gibson is the other piece that doesn't fit with that. You don't have a project running back in the midst of a rebuild because either you build him into a good running back and he gets a big contract, which messes you up, or he moves on elsewhere and you don't have him, or the project doesn't work out and it was just a waste of time. And then the kicking piece is the biggest thing on the rebuild here. So you had Hopkins, you said Hopkins is your guy. You didn't bring in competition in the preseason. If you're searching for a long franchise kicker, do that in the preseason, do it in the conventional way. Don't say Hopkins is my guy, cut him halfway through, bring in Blewett, who has never done anything, hasn't kicked in five years. That is not a rebuild guy. That is not the guy who's going to be your franchise kicker for the next 10 years. So it doesn't match with what's going on. It matches with desperation of saying there's something wrong with this team. I need to address it right now to make the playoffs, um, which that could be a, a really drastic move you make. But Blewett and Hopkins, that situation is not a rebuild situation. And finally, the Heineke situation is not a rebuild situation because Heineke may be a backup. And if he's a backup, he's proved that. Once he's proved that, there's no point playing him anymore because you know he's not good enough to be your starter. You want him healthy to be a backup. He's going to get killed out there um, on one of the one of the plays he makes. Um, and if he's really going to be your ace in the whole backup, you don't want every team to have seven, eight, ten games worth of film on it. So the Heineke thing makes no sense. You've got to bring in uh, a stable quarterback because ultimately that's what the entire rebuild hinges on. The only long-term player, the only seven to ten to twelve-year player on a franchise is a quarterback and. Starting a rebuild needs to be finding that person who you're going to have for the next 10 years and then being the chef that puts the other pieces together with rookies, with free agents and so on, and ultimately gets you a playoff or gets you to a Super Bowl team. What we don't have is that timing. We don't have the quarterback piece and none of the other pieces are complementary to each other and none of them are building towards that, that long-term progression to have a rebuild. Um, and then just the kind of the last thing here, and I, I know I've taken a lot of time. Thank you guys so much for, for uh, giving that to me. But the, the problem we've got now with Ron is he only has one win over a 500 team. That was a very suspect Steelers team. He had this dominant defensive line, and that's broken. Um, but even if it comes back together, it has absolutely no point now uh, because this season's lost. And there's really not any uh, prospects for next year. If there's not a Trevor Lawrence or a two in the draft. There's not a big name free agent quarterback available. We don't have a lot of valuable chips to trade. So we're, we're left in no man land. So right now the, the issue is instead of rebuild, we've hit rock bottom. And that's not where any of us plan to be. Uh, but in the middle of, of Ron's tenure, when you're at that rock bottom point, things are not getting better. And there's no plan for, for a Super Bowl or even a playoff team. Unfortunately, we got to let him go. 
David, thank you so much. Um, before I want to respond to a couple of things you said, but before I do, I really want you to plug the work that you're doing with the schools so that everybody knows where to find that and where to look at that, please. Uh, thank you so much, Lawrence. So for the last uh, four years, there was no centralized source for information on shootings that occur in schools. Um, so for the last four years, I've been building the K-12 school shooting database. Uh, it's sponsored by the Center for Homeland Defense and Security out of Monterey, California. It's a free publicly available resource. Um, it's been used by more than 100,000 people. It's helping inform federal policy, uh, state policies, school security procedures. Essentially, this country has invested a huge amount of money and resources into making sure a terrorist attack never occurs again. We've left schools on an island to deal with shootings that are happening every week at schools across the country. And we've got to pay more attention to that important issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for doing that work. Um, let, so you are full on fire, Ron. I will say, personally, I'm not quite there yet, but I do get what I think you're saying here. And that's, well, I know what you're saying. You're saying fire, Ron. But in my opinion, what I, the part of that I agree with is, it's like relationships. If, you, if you're dating somebody and you know this is not the person you're going to end up marrying, why bother continuing to date that person, right? Because it really makes no sense because it's just part of your life that you'll eventually remember, but it didn't really add the value to your life that a long-term situation would. So if you're at that point and you determine that Ron is not the guy, why bother hanging on to him after this season? I'm just not there yet personally. I think next year is going to be massive for Ron. And I mean, I, I just, after two seasons of this, I'm not sure what else he can do if he blows up next year like he is this year. So definitely some merit to where you're going with that, in my opinion. Um, I'm just probably about a year behind where you are, where you've arrived at. So. Yeah, I'd say the dangerous point is that we really can't trust this coaching staff right now to, to make the right picks, either in free agency with uh, some long contracts they might enter into or with our first-round draft pick. You know, we're going to have a top-five pick and if Ryan and his staff mess that pick up and sign the wrong free agents, we're going to be stuck with the consequences of that for a long time. And it's going to make the situation even less attractive to another coach. Um, I think that's our one selling point uh, to a coach next year is that there is free agent space. There are people we can trade away. Uh, there's nobody on the roster that's untouchable. And we've got a top five pick. Yeah, no, that, that's all. That's all facts. I mean, you know, and, and unfortunately, luring a coach here has now become part of the equation, right? Because the job is not a desirable job just for what it is. There's no prestige to being the head coach of this football team anymore. And that's part of the problem. For However, sure. one thing that we need to keep in mind here is that all of this may change next year anyway, uh, based on how this uh, email situation uh, with the team uh, plays out. Uh, it could very well end up that, uh, you know, once Congress gets involved, if Dan Snyder is forced out by the rest of the league to protect uh, the Jerry Joneses and whoever else has the skeletons in the closet, that they're trying to keep this stuff under wraps, that they have to have a sacrificial land. And, you know, this team has new ownership next year. You're looking at a complete blow up anyway, because new owners uh, are going to bring in all their own people. So you may get your wish if, uh, if things shake out the way that it looks like they might shake out. 
Yeah, and I have thoughts actually on on the type of coach to hire, and, and you guys will probably laugh, and this will definitely get um, some Twitter backlash. But I honestly think we need to look for a, a Ted Lasso type of coach. You know, find a, a D three guy that is unconventional, but above all, he's friendly, he's entertaining, he's a fan favorite. Um, he's playing a lot of trick plays, unconventional roster setups. It can't possibly be worse than what we have. We've tried every single configuration of a coach from bringing back our legend to an offensive coordinator to a defensive guy to the recent hot coach to a nobody. Let's try something totally different. Um, maybe it's going to be a diamond in the rough at a D3 that can shake things up the NFL. Maybe it flames out again. Uh, but, but at this point, you know, we've tried just about everything. And as you guys have said, none of it's worked. Yeah, I think the closest thing to what you're talking about in the NFL now is Cliff King Kingsbury in uh with the uh Cardinals. I mean I was he, thinking Matt uh, Matt Rule. There you the go. Other one. That too. Yeah. Absolutely. Unconventional. They're not conforming to the current rules or the past rules of the NFL. It's hey, we're gonna do it this way. And uh, I mean, if you look at the Cardinals season right now, it's hard to argue with what Kingsbury has brought to that team. I mean you know, I think before Kingsbury came around, I don't know that Kyler Murray was going to be the first pick in the draft, but he was so adamant about him being there that he stuck with it and look at look at the relationship that they have there. So definitely some merit there. Uh, David, man, we, we appreciate your time. Once again, thank you for all the good work that you're doing out there. And uh, thank you for not being afraid to express your opinion, even if it's not agreeable to everybody on social media, because if nothing else, it starts the conversation that gets people thinking, man. So we appreciate you. Washington Football Declassified Nation, we got a special guest on the line. We got Nigel here. And uh, Nigel has a lot to say about this football team. He's been a fan of the team for a very long time. He's seen the glory days. And he's, he's seen what we've got going on right now, which is less than the glory days, I should say. So, Nigel, I'm going to throw it to you. Tell the folks where you're from, and then uh, let me hear what you got to say. Yeah, it's great to meet you. It's great to be on the show. Thanks very much. Big honor. First time um, doing this, being an old techie. Doesn't know how to do all this. But at the same time, I'm from Perth, Western Australia. Been in Australia for about 32 years now, originally from England. And uh, been following those glorious Washington football team, ex-Redskins, uh, for 41 years and seen those glory days. And the only thing I have to really look forward to now is reminiscing back on those glory days because there's not much moving forward. At this point in time, there's a lot of things that have got to be, got to be, uh, got to be looked at from the coaching downwards. It all starts at the top, the culture. But the one thing that's uh, bothered me is the way that... Uh, I'll take it back to um, July 21st, 2020, I think it was the exact date uh, when the name changed and uh, I've been expecting something to happen since uh, the Floyd, uh, Floyd murder happened and I knew something was going to be coming down after that. Um, very sad both, both ways. And, uh, and what's, what's uh, frustrated me is the way things have been handled during the during the uh, transition, you know, it's, uh, you look at what's happened in Cleveland. One day I went to bed and they were called the Cleveland Indians. The next day I woke up and they were called, called the Cleveland Guardians. And uh, it seems to be that the uh, Washington football team have uh, really drawn out this process, obviously for various reasons. And uh, I suppose there's trademarks and stuff like that. But 
it's it's been frustrating for me. Uh, I would have liked to see the new identity. I had my own ideas on the identity, and everybody's got their uh, their own opinion on what the name should be, and everybody uh, is entitled to that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We've had the discussion. I think it's going to be the Red Wolves. Uh, my friend here doesn't think uh, it's going to be the Red Wolves, so uh, <laughs> I've man- not managed to get it- I've not managed to get that name out of you yet. So, uh, but yeah, I, I want to see some conclusion to this. You know, it's been very frustrating uh, for the f- for last season being the Washington Football Team. I embraced that. You know, there was change that's happened. You've got to accept change and move forward. But the way it's been handled, in my opinion, and the narrative that's come out of um, out of the Washington football team is um, it's been less than desirable the way it's been done, you know, it's, uh, and just take it to what happened last week uh, uh, with the Sean Taylor retiring of the number. And uh, that to me just typified the lack of planning that go- that's going on in the background uh, moving forward. It just seems like chaos to me. And uh, I think that chaos came to a head last week with the way that that situation with uh, Sean Taylor's retiring of the number was totally mismanaged. And uh, it's like, you can't undo that. You cannot undo that now. You know, it's happened and it's embarrassing. And you can't even, you can't even arrange that. And it showed like it was a week, a, a decision made the week before. I can see them all sitting around the table coming up. What can we do? What can we do? Oh yeah, let's retire Sean Taylor's number. Great idea. Let's get out there. And that was the amount of planning that went into it. And we saw the results of what happened. And uh, as they say, failing to plan is planning to fail. And that's exactly what happened that day. Yeah, you know. That's my rant.